Hi, my name is Connie. His name is Tyler, and he's being really fucking annoying at the moment. Tell them why. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing at the moment. I was just, I was counting down with you. No, Tyler, please. See, this is the thing with you, is like, if I don't ask the exact question, you will use the bare minimum words to get your idea across. I just like to use bare minimum words in most situations. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Unless we're talking about DC movies. DC movies are the exception for bare minimum words. Yeah. Yeah, no, I edited that episode. I fully am aware how how uh, how long you can go on that topic. Um, you're being annoying because you saw a wonderful movie. Um, but we'll talk about it. We'll save it for the end because we got to go out with a bang on this episode. It is amazing that you saw this film. When you texted me that you saw it, I was like, not in the very least, like, did not care that you didn't see the film that I wanted you to see. It was like, this is so much better. I can't believe somebody, and obviously it had to be someone like Ari, shout out to Ari, um, but somebody got you to sit down and watch this film. So anyway, we have this to look forward to at the end of the episode, so keep tuning in. Uh, there's a new trailer out for The Isle of Dogs, which is Wes Anderson's new film, and... As excited as I get about Star Wars and DC movies, I get equally excited for Wes Anderson films. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is one of my favorite movies of the 2000s, and I am just, I'm completely thrilled that he's going back to animation. Uh, Wes Anderson previously made a movie called Fantastic Mr. Fox, and it was kind of looked over by a lot of people. Connie herself hasn't even seen it, and she likes Wes, Wes Anderson a fair bit. But, uh, but it's a really, really good movie, and so he's going back to animation with Isle of Dogs. Connie, did you watch the trailer? I did, and it's awesome. So basically what it is, is uh, a couple years in the future, Japan is overrun with uh, dogs, and there's a bunch of disease going around, and these dogs are, I suppose, vectors of the disease, so they ba basically take all the dogs and ship them off to this big island where they're storing a bunch of trash, and it becomes the Isle of Dogs. And these dogs live here, and of course the dogs are whimsical creatures voiced by many celebrities. Um, and then one day, a small Japanese boy shows up looking for his dog that was uh, apparently mistakenly shipped off to this island, or shipped off without the boy's consent. So he comes to find his dog, and he teams up with the whimsical pack of dogs to go find the dog that he loves. And uh, I'm sure it will devolve into a, a lovely adventure as most and Wes Anderson movies are wont to do. But it's awesome. It's like Ed uh, Edward Norton's back, obviously. Bill Murray's back, obviously. Uh, new new voices include Greta Gerwig, Sarah Johansson, Brian Cranston, new edition. Um, Yoko Ono is in it because it's not a Wes Anderson film without an extra, an extra cameo like that. Um, but I'm excited. I mean... Someone was telling me at work, like, thank goodness this film is coming out next year because I don't think I could, like, keep up with, like, so so many of these, like, amazing, wonderful films that are coming out this year. Save for the film that I saw. Look at my segues, man. I'm so proud of myself. That was well done. This week, I saw Battle of the Sexes starring Emma Stone and Steve Carell. Um, I love awards fair, so this is kind of the first public release of a film that's probably going to go on to award season. Not, not the greatest thing I've ever seen. 
um, it recounts how Billie Jean King, the uh, tennis champion who stood up for um, equal pay in sports, um, basically had to part like was forced against her will. We're like back into a corner to participate in what was then marketed as the Battle of the Sexes, a one-time tennis match uh, against this much older, formerly retired tennis champ called uh, Bobby Riggs. So the whole movie, you can tell that, you know, Bobby Riggs, played by Steve Carell, is kind of a schmuck. He is a gambler, gambling addict. He, um, you know, he spews a lot of misogynist bullshit, but in a sense that you can tell that he's just doing it because he wants the attention. Um, And he just, like, gets gets a thrill off of gambling, so he'll, like, gamble, you know, what started as a joke, gambling, um, his, like, who would win in a match, him or Billie Jean King, has since, has then turned into, like, this, like, apparently true, true event where, like, you know, people are walking in on, like, feathered, um, carriages, you know, carried in by shirtless men, and uh, people are dressed up, and wearing shirts that say I'm a male chauvinist pig and you know it was like actually like a like a national widespread uh conversation topic in which like it was like pointing it was like using like the women's liberation movement and pointing it against you know domesticity and like gender stereotypes and like you know pointing that like conversation that occurred in the 70s into a new direction um but basically this film is very much focused on Emma Stone's character, Billie Jean King, and how she discovers that as she's, like, kind of put through these trials of, you know, being forced to start her own tennis league because she wants higher pay and Bobby Riggs being really fucking annoying and, like, kind of forcing her to participate in this tennis match so he can she can make a statement about, you know, uh, women's sports. Um, she realizes herself that she is falling, like, she is bisexual or lesbian or bisexual basically starts an affair with uh her hairdresser who is a woman um it is a very long film that packs in a ton of ideas like you can kind of tell in the summary i just gave of the film that i was kind of struggling trying to like keep a handle on all the themes and topics um the screenplay i felt like was written really hastily this is the most commercialized awards awards movie i've seen in a long time um, randomly Fred Armisen makes a cameo in this as, like, a goofy massage therapist slash pharmacist that works on Bobby Riggs' health, and there's a scene in it that's completely unnecessary, but you can tell it was put in because the studio was probably like, this has to be funnier and more ridiculous. He's, like, massaging Bobby's arm, but he, because it's Fred Armisen that's massaging the arm, it looks like a SNL bit. Because he's, like, massaging, like, a floppy towel. It's, like, Fred, like, with a serious face on, just, like, awkwardly massaging Steve Carell's arm. It's the funniest, most unnecessary scene in the film. Um, There are other unnecessarily, unnecessary supporting characters in this. You just kind of tell that they were really trying to, you know, they were trying to do what Mother could not do, which is to appeal to a mass audience without boring them with, I don't know, important discussions about gender like god forbid we have you know we have a mainstream movie talk about feminism but 
it did kind of, the message did kind of seem at times being shoved down people's throats, like, yeah, like, women should be paid equally, and it's not fair, and, like, men are chauvinist pigs, and they know it, and they have fun, you know, saying that they are, but there's no real conclusion to the event. It literally, instead of ending the movie saying that, okay, look at the battle of the sexes, like, women prove that we're just as good and deserve just as much respect as male athletes do. It, it took this opportunity to then shine a light on Emma Stone's acting ability to convey how she wants to, like, run into the arms of her lover at the end of her match, but cannot. And literally, Alan Cumming, who is a wonderful actor and always a joy to see on screen, you can tell that his character was written so that he could, like... I'm just going to spoil it. Everyone knows that she won the Battle of the Sexes back in the 70s. Otherwise, we would not be here right now. Um, Alan Cummings' character, this is the literal last last scene of the film. He pulls Emma Stone's character aside and is like, eventually, we will all one day be able to be free and love who we love. But until then, you just have to go in and dance. And that's how the film ends. It's like Alan Cummings basically giving the audience a pat on the back, like... Not only is this about being a woman, but it's about being LGBTQ and we have cleaned up all the problems in society in this one film in two, two hours, so the end. <laughs> um, so I didn't really, I don't know, this, this movie was kind of all over the place for me. I will say, though, the production design is off the charts. Um, the hair, the clothes, uh, the music, the spot on. Um, the same guy that shot... Uh, or was the director of photography for La La Land, shot this film, and you can tell that he really wanted to impose that metaphor of, like, you know, like a mirror reflection, because it's battle of the sexes, look what the men are doing. Oh, the very next scene, the women are doing the exact same thing, but just on the right side of the screen. Whoa! So yeah, so this film did get pretty heavy-handed at some parts. You could tell that they were trying to put Emma Stone up for awards contention, Unfortunately, Steve Carell is a little wasted in this role. Just, you know, had to act like a male chauvinist. And, like, he was funny to watch, but it just got tiring. And, I don't know. I wish that I could see a film that speaks about these very important themes of how fucking ridiculous and misunderstood the women's liberation movement was without feeling like I should feel guilty for, you know, watching a film that's trying to shove this down my throat. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that actually kind of leads to really the only question I have about this movie. And Connie, I want you to be (laughs) honest with yourself and honest with me about this, okay? Is this a movie that I would like to watch? No. Okay. And that's kind of what I got from (laughs) about it. And and like, look, uh, I, I don't want that to come across the wrong way because clearly these are, there's a lot of important messages in here. And clearly it's a lot of stuff that, Uh, Not only is it historically important, but it's important for us to keep in mind in society nowadays as well. But, I don't know, a movie like this, uh, and especially this kind of awards fair, end on a preachy note sort of thing, uh, I think you know as well as I do that that kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. So, uh, I don't know that I would be able to sit through it. I guess it's nice that they made it, but I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't expecting for them to put in the actual tennis match like i guess it would have been a cheap Mm -hmm. shot to like call the movie battle of the sexes and not show how the match actually went on but for at least like five minutes in the film you're just watching them 
hit the ball back and forth like you're watching an intense match on screen. I was kind of surprised with that choice. Um, I really wanted to root for the film because it's directed by the same couple that directed Little Miss Sunshine, which is my favorite movie. Um, and I mean, I think some of the directing choices were a little odd. I think a lot of the staging was very heavy handed. Like I would s- spoken earlier about how when the guys are doing their hair, they're on the left side of the screen. Smash cut to the girls doing their hair, they're on the right side of the screen. Um, I watched it mainly because I love Emma Stone, and she's great in this. She puts up a great performance, but a lot of the stuff in this film was really fucking unnecessary. Um, sure, including, sure. But when this comes out on YouTube, or like when clips get leaked on YouTube, Tyler, you need to watch this scene of Fred Armisen massaging the arm. It's fucking I hilarious. Mean- it's so out of context. It's so unnecessary and random that it's like, what? This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that almost, like, just the fact that you said that Fred Armisen has a cameo, which feels like an SNL bit, that almost makes me want to go watch this movie regardless of, like, the quality of it as a whole. Uh, I love Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen's the best. Yeah, he is. No, yeah, he, do- I'm he not, is. I'm not complaining yeah. that I saw him. It's just, like, why? <laughs> He's just too distracting to be in this movie. You just want more of him whenever he shows up. That's the problem with Fred Armisen. You're like, why right. can't he be the movie? Right. This is a quick aside. Um, he did a Q&A or like a 25 random things that people didn't know about me or true things that people didn't know about me um, in a magazine recently. It's one of the funniest mm-hmm. interviews I've ever read because <laughs> you can tell that he just spoke out of his butt um, <laughs> to answer all 25 questions. I'll share it with you later. But sh- like... Uh, recommendation for our all our listeners go find that article it is the best interview you will ever read ever he's um, uh, he's one of the best comedians in the business and uh i don't know i think if fred armison made a movie called battle of the sexes in which he played every role both male and female i think i would almost like that more than like a, a nicely acted nicely told story like give me something schlocky with fred armison and- this movie wasn't even nicely told <laughs> it was just kind of all over the place like i get it like yeah, we yeah. needed to, to say you know like being gay in the 70s was really hard um being a female athlete was also really hard but it's just it was just stuffed it was just it was all over the place i couldn't decide what it wanted to be about well it clearly shot big uh and obviously missed the mark on a lot of it but do you see this being nominated for any academy awards down the road um, Emma Stone for Best Act Leading Actress. Mm-hmm. And do you think this is a performance in which She'll she win? will win? Or do no. you think this is kind of an oblig- obligatory, you know, you were in a nice sort of biopic thing, let's go ahead and uh, give her a nomination? My Obligatory because my money is on Frances McDormand for Leading Actress in Three Billboards Three Outside Ebbing, Missouri. That sure. movie is made for her to win, so I'm sorry, right. Emma. I love you, but this is Francis's year. And I'm looking forward to seeing that one when it comes out. I think that's one that I will like a little bit more than Battle of the Sexes, which I don't intend to see. I'm going to be really honest about that. No, you're all about honesty, Tyler. Um, what, what, I am like, about You're going to lie to us on this podcast? Look, a lot of people, and this always escapes me, a lot of people lie about movies that they like or movies that they think are good just because the consensus is that it's a good movie or a popular movie you know i mean people say avatar is one of the best movies ever let's not kid ourselves like they're paid to say that by james cameron himself (laughs) he personally finances all these people 
You know what movie got not just one, but two Oscar nominations? Tell me, Connie. The Bodyguard. Oh, really? Did it? You know what? You know how many Golden Raspberry Award nominations it got? (laughs) How many? Seven! (laughs) Did it really? It got seven Razzies? Nominations, including Worst Picture. But let that not deter you from hearing what Tyler has to say about this. And he's been, he was being fucking annoying at the beginning of this episode because he told me that this is only going to be a very brief segment. Right. So I'm going to elongate the hell out of this. I'm going to drag this on. Let's fucking go. Give me a summary. Well, here's the thing. So uh, this was not the movie you assigned for me to watch. It just happened to be the only movie that I watched this week uh, due to some, uh, let's be honest, poor scheduling on my part. But uh but I figured I could talk about it for a couple minutes at least because it is a movie which Kevin Costner is in and typically those are okay. In fact, I would say Kevin Costner-led films are the definition of okay movies. <laughs> uh, with the exception of Waterworld, which is simultaneous, <laughs> which I is simultaneously say that. a terrible and amazing movie. And if any of our listeners haven't watched Waterworld, go watch it now. It's the biggest production deficit of all time because they literally built a like floating set out in the middle of the ocean and then a hurricane destroyed it and they had to start all over huge budgetary losses anyways great kevin costner movie the bodyguard stars kevin costner and whitney houston whitney houston plays a pop star named rachel or some shit like that but she's whitney houston let's not kid ourselves she's just playing herself and then kevin costner plays her bodyguard hence the movie is called the bodyguard and he protects whitney houston from stalkers so that's the plot of the movie and uh, I guess you can probably kind of play out how this movie goes in your head. It goes exactly how you would expect a Kevin Costner film called The Bodyguard to go. Uh, Whitney Houston is stalked by a couple people. She gets death threats. She is non-compliant with Kevin Costner's security requests. They fall in love. They have sex. They have a dramatic fight that comes out of nowhere for no reason. <laughs> there's a scene. There's a scene where she draws a sword on Kevin Costner, and it's supposed to be sexy, but I don't really understand it that much. And then they fight a little bit more. And then a guy who showed up in one scene, like halfway through the movie, but wasn't really an integral character, winds up being like the main bad guy out of everything. And it wasn't as predictable as it could have been. And I have to give the bodyguard credit for that because I didn't call the twist from the start of the movie. Um, it just wasn't like thoroughly shocking when it happened. Uh, let's talk about the highlights of this movie. Highlights are Whitney Houston, obviously. Uh, you know, if this was just like a movie made to promote her singing and her albums, success, I would say. You know, she's very talented. Other highlights of this film, again, include the scene in which Whitney Houston draws a sword on Kevin Costner. I just can't get over that. You mean you don't get turned on when people draw swords on? <laughs> Well, it's very strange. She draws this sword, and then Kevin Costner goes, now watch this, and he gets, like, a, a piece of fabric and, like, drops it on the sword, and it cuts it because the sword is so sharp. Um, there's a lot of, like, really over-the-top drama in this, and that's actually really inter- entertaining for the most part. Those are my favorite scenes. I was telling Connie that one of the best ones is where Kevin Costner is having some frustration with his job, and so he goes into a hotel kitchen and he assaults the first like kitchen worker who says like hey get out of my way you're in our kitchen and he leaves this guy like bleeding out of his face with like other kitchen workers screaming around him like stop please like he's dying and then Kevin Costner just 
walks away and goes about his job. Yes, Connie, I see you raising your hand there. So my parents absolutely love this film. My mom refers to the song I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston as bodyguard song. And so, I mean, if this is my mom's favorite film of all time, so I'm just kind of confused why you and my mom don't see eye to eye on this. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, me and your mother see eye to eye on a lot of things. Uh, namely, namely that I'm the best friend that you have. Uh, I think that's the primary place where we agree. That's actually and, uh, true. He's not lying about that. <laughs> and I think she and I both agree that I'm pretty awesome. So, uh, so this is just another facet I now have in common with your mother is that I've watched The Bodyguard. <laughs> and we may not both think it's the best film of all time, but... Uh, but at least we can share in the experience of seeing Whitney Houston draw a sword again on Kevin Costner. Why do you keep talking about that scene? The scene that everyone talks about is when he like carries her out of whatever building. She's like lying in his arms and he's like, I'm the bodyguard. Right. Cause that one was like a really predictable scene. Like that's like that one you could see coming from a mile away. You knew he was going to carry her out of this building and like, drive away hastily in a limo the sword one comes out of nowhere and it has no context in the rest of the film and that's what makes it amazing like that is easily the the best scene in the movie um yeah i don't know there's a lot of like if we were actually going to talk about the film itself uh it's shot normally i would say there's no really interesting cinematography but there's nothing so poor that it's noticeable it's very forgettable on that aspect the dialogue is predictable but effective in like understanding the characters motivations the performances are fine uh i don't want to badmouth whitney houston but she is not very believable in some lines in this and then other times she plays her part pretty well she's just kind of inconsistent as an actress in this and the the pacing of the story itself is all over the place it's very jumbled and there's a lot of unnecessary scenes that could be consolidated it's not like the world's best made movie, but I don't think anybody thought The Bodyguard starring Kevin Costner was the world's best made movie other than your mother. So, I'm still in I'm still in shock that you saw <laughs> this film. I look and like you said at the start of the show, credit to Ari because I never would have gone out of my way to watch this. Yo, Ari's a fucking man, man. Like like <laughs> she got you to see The Bodyguard. You complained so you complained my ear off about watching Shakespeare in Love, which is like an objectively okay. better film uh, than hang this. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> to be fair, if I had the option to go back and watch either Shakespeare in Love or The Bodyguard again, I'm choosing The Bodyguard almost just every to see the sword time. scene. I mean, yes, that's a big part of it, and the scene where he assaults a kitchen worker. That's like <laughs> it's pretty fifty-fifty between those two. Get a good chuckle out of both of them. Wow. So The Bodyguard, I guess, like. It's so inoffensive, like, I wouldn't not recommend this to anybody. Like, if you want to kill time and you want to watch kind of a generic action romance movie, give it a whirl. Uh, It's under HBO's thriller section, which was very misleading, because there's very little about this that's a thriller. He- she almost stabbed him with the sword! You don't find that thrilling? I mean, not particularly. She is almost assassinated at one point in the movie, but of course Kevin Costner like takes a bullet for her and then saves her, and then they all live happily ever after. That's how the movie ends. They end up together? No, not really, but like you can tell they're like separated lovers, and they understand each other now, and she gets on a plane to continue her career, and he goes to bodyguard for someone else. And, Got uh, it. 
Yeah. My mom always told me that that's the saddest part, that they don't end up together at the end of the film. I mean, the saddest part for me was that he lived after taking a bullet, honestly. <laughs> like, I was like, oh shit, he's gonna, like, sacrifice himself in the ultimate act of love. And, uh, no. No, he survived. And I have to, I, actually, I need to pick one more bone with this movie. He gets shot, like, in the chest multiple times, and then after that, once he's recovered, the only, like bandaging he has is that his arm is in a sling and he was never shot in the arm and i'm not really sure what the purpose of putting a sling on is if his arm is fully functional like the bullet wounds were exclusively in his chest and i took huge offense to the fact that they were like we need to make him look injured but he's wearing a suit so he can't show bandages oh put his arm in a sling that'll let people know he's hurt still so that was one another beef i had with this movie i i took exception to that the Bodyguard, starring Kevin Costner. <laughs> I don't think I can close out this episode with you. <laughs> Look, if you're going to watch something, go watch West... Or not Westworld, sorry, Waterworld. Waterworld is much more entertaining than The Bodyguard. And, and uh, if you've never been to the live show, go to the Universal Studios Waterworld show. <laughs> it's that's amazing. That's how they had to recoup losses on that movie. Yeah, they were like, we got to franchise this somehow. Let's make a... <laughs> Let's make a show out of it at Universal Studios. Maybe in 50 years we'll recover our budget on Waterworld. Or they're, they're just, uh, I feel like at this point people don't know that Waterworld was a movie. And they're like, wow, like right. that great Universal Studios water show. <laughs> Disappointing. Disappointing. Uh, if you don't know that it's a movie, you're missing out. Because it is a, a wholly unique cinematic experience. It's like Mad Max, but bad. <laughs> All right, well, I guess I'll close out then since I left Connie speechless with my review of The Bodyguard. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with more current movies and more old classics. As always, if you have recommendations, comments, questions, concerns, or you just want to rag on us for not picking interesting movies, I guess that's okay too. You know where to find us on Facebook or on our email, uh, couchcrusaderspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad you listened. And until next week, we're the Couch Crusaders. Bye. Goodbye. No, I fucked up. How so? I didn't, I'm not wearing my headphones. Oh, that's, no, okay. that's okay. I'm, I'm sure, sure I can I probably, probably fix, fix it. it. But I'm recording your... Yeah, I had a feeling. I didn't see headphones in. Oh my uh, god, I'm so sorry. We'll make it work. It'll let me just line it up right over my voice, I guess. So... <laughs> Okay. It's okay. It's okay. We'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I can I'm edit sorry. This. I can edit anything. So. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I was realizing, I was like, as you were talking, I was like, wait! <laughs> I noticed earlier, and I was like, there's probably going to be feedback, but...